Um, I want to tell you a story. It's an absolute true story. Um, the story started in 1921 when uh, David and Siva Flood decided to go be missionaries in Africa. And so they left Sweden where they lived and they went to what was then called the Belgian Congo, which I believe today is now Zaire. And they went there to this one specific tribe. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They planned, they planned, they planned. You need to understand, in the 1920s, things were done differently. There was all kinds of planning and processes and organization that goes into missions work now. Back in the day, you just showed up where you felt God led you. And that's what they did. They went to this village they felt God had led them to. And when they got there, the chief would not let them in the village. But they felt called to be there. They felt led to be there. So they went about a half mile up from the village and they built a really crude home, which was essentially a mud hut on the side of a hill. And they lived there. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for a spiritual breakthrough. And day after day after day, the the chief would not let them enter the village. Would not let them talk to any villagers except for a little boy. The chief would allow a little boy to come twice a week and sell chicken and eggs uh, to the, the floods. And they would pray and they prayed and they prayed for a spiritual breakthrough. And day after day, the chief would only send this little boy. So Siva Flood decided she had come halfway around the world. She didn't, she didn't, uh, she didn't come to, meet no, to reach no one. And so she decided that her one would be this little boy. If she didn't reach anyone else on the planet, she was going to reach this little boy for Jesus. And so she began to minister to him and get to know him and talk to him. And eventually she led this little boy to Christ. Now, the story of the floods is a story of triumph and tragedy. And it takes a lot of different turns. And so this is where a turn begins to make. So, spiritual breakthrough did not happen. Chief was still would not allow them to come into the village. The only person they led to the Lord was one little boy. And so they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for a spiritual breakthrough. And day after day after day, it was just this little boy. Siva Flood uh, found herself pregnant and had a baby. And uh, the chief would allow a midwife from the village to come. She had birth, gave birth to a little girl. But she developed malaria. And 27 years old, she died 17 days after giving birth to her daughter. David Flood snapped. Just snapped. He, uh, he, uh, he, had, one, he had a son and now an infant daughter that he was not equipped to take care of. He had given up his life. They'd come across the world. They trusted the Lord. And he felt like the Lord had let him down. All he had gotten was heartache and misery. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed for a spiritual breakthrough and all they got was heartache. And so, he gathered his son and his infant daughter, buried his wife in a really crude grave, marched down the mountain, gave his daughter to a missionary couple and left Africa. And when he left Africa, He left the church behind. He left God behind. He left the little girl behind. He was done. Now, if the story ended there, it would be really tragic. But this is where the story of the floods takes another turn. This little girl was adopted by a a Christian couple. They changed her name to Angie. 
don't even know what her name was before. And she, they moved to Seattle, Washington. She grew up in Seattle. She met this Christian guy who ends up being the president of a Christian school. Has a great life. And then one day, she gets a magazine in the mail. You know how magazines just show up at your house sometimes? It's kind of really weird how they just show up and you didn't ask for it. And they're just, there they are. And um, so a magazine shows up and, and she starts just flipping through it. And she comes to this picture of this really crude gray with a white cross in it with the name Steve Flood. And she begins to read the story of her mother. And the story basically goes something like this. There was this couple that came to this village and a mom died and they left. A little boy grew to be a man, asked the chief if he could build a school. They built a school for the children. He led every child in that village to Christ. This boy did. And because they led every child to Christ, you want to know if children's ministry is important? Because they led every child in that village to Christ, they led 600 villagers to Christ, including the village. And it all started with a boy who became a Christian, who grew up, who built a school to reach children, to reach their parents, because a woman reached him. She was so moved by the story because her father had nothing to do with her that she sought her father out because she wanted him to know that his life had not been a waste, that their life had been a success, that what they, the spiritual breakthrough they prayed for and prayed for and prayed for actually happened. So she reconnects with her father. He recommits himself to Christ, recommits himself to his church, and all is good. And the story into there, that's a really cool story. So you fast forward years and years later, and she and her husband are at a conference in England, and they are uh, listening to this guy speak, and he's like the superintendent of a church, which sounds really weird to us, but I'm telling you, in that time, especially in Africa, even in Africa today, that's really normal. It's just, it's just normal. And so this guy's the head of this national church that has over 100,000 baptized believers as a part of it. And he's from Zaire, formerly the Belgian Congo. And so when this conference is over, she says, I want to go meet this guy and I want to just find out if he just, maybe he knows who my, my parents were. And, you know, maybe he's one of those villagers. I mean, I, she didn't know. And so she and her husband, they go and they, and, and they meet this little boy, this grown man, excuse me. And she introduces herself and says, yeah, I just want to know if you've ever heard of David and Siva Flood. And, and, and the story says that his whole face changed. And he says, who are you? He says, I'm, I was their daughter. And this man grabbed her, hugged her, squeezed her, and began to weep and said, I need you to know I was a little boy that brought chicken and eggs to your mom and dad. And everything that's happened today has happened because of your parents. Absolutely true story. Now, if that were your story, if that happened to you, if something like that happened to you, I bet you would tell everybody and anybody. I bet there's no one you wouldn't meet that you wouldn't tell that story to. And then right now, you're probably sitting there and you're thinking, well, that sounds really great, but stuff like that doesn't happen to me. But the truth is, stuff like that happens to us all the time. We have divine appointments that God sets up all the time. It may not be as dramatic as, as, as you know, a, a couple uh, who loses a child and 
you know, and all this other stuff. But here's what I know, and here's what I want you to know. You have a story. And God wants to use your story to change someone else's story. And that's a fact. If you're a Christian, God wants to use your story to change someone else's story. And, and so right now, this is kind of the point in time where we always talk about these things and, we, and preachers talk about telling their stories and people sit and, and they listen and they go, you know what? Sounds great. We should teach a class on that. We should teach a class on how to, to reach people, how to talk to people. So consider, if that's you, consider this your class. With that said, let me tell you this, you don't need a class. You don't have to know everything there is about the Bible. You don't have to know a whole lot about the Bible. If you know that Jesus changed your life and He saved you, that's all you need to know. You know, it doesn't matter if you, can, if you know what Acts 20 verse 15, which I couldn't tell you right now what that says. It doesn't matter if you don't have the Bible memorized. It doesn't matter if you can't name the books of the Bible backwards, forwards, and sideways. Uh, forwards I can, backwards, sideways, not a chance. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you know about the Bible. It matters who you know and who's changed your life. And if Jesus has changed your life, God wants to use you to change someone else's story. Someone's de uh, there's somebody whose perspective needs to be changed. There's someone who's, who's just kind of in a mess. There's someone who's going through something you've been through. But ultimately, it comes down to this, that God wants to change, use your story to change someone else's eternity. This whole one thing is about that. We've been talking about who's your one for weeks. This whole one thing comes down to this. Why is the one important? Because God wants to use your story, my story, our story, to change someone's eternity. So as we've read every week, and we'll do one more time, in Luke chapter 19 where it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's our story. If you're a Christian, that's where your story is rooted. Jesus came into the world to save you, to save me, to save people. And He did that by going to a cross. And everything that happens in our life, everything that happens in your life, that's where your story begins. Just like this guy's story began with this, this, this missionary who said, I'm going to reach one person. And, and he said, you know, my story began with her. Her story is my story. Our story starts with the cross. And who, what Christ did for us. And so we're going to talk about this idea of a story. Because here's what I know. You have a story to tell. And maybe you know what it is, and maybe you don't. But the truth of the matter is, you don't just have one story to tell. Your life is a series of stories that needs to be told. And there's a time to tell it, and there's a time not to. And there's a time when you need to tell this story, and you need to tell that story. But here's what I know. When Jesus changes your life, when Jesus interacts with you, when you have a divine appointment, and Jesus shows up in your path and changes the course of your life, man, that's a game-changing story. You don't need a class. You don't need to memorize the Bible. If you want to do that, that's great. You just need to know what the Lord has done for you and what the Lord is doing for you right now. That's all you need to know. And if you can think of one thing the Lord's done for you right now, you have a story to tell. And if you can get three things that the Lord's done for you, you have three stories to tell. And, and if you can think of ten things, you have ten stories to tell. And that's the way it works. So your story depends on what the Lord's done for you. 
So, and, and, you know, we've been talking about Matthew and Luke, and we're going to end up in Matthew. We started in Matthew, we're going to end in Matthew in just a few minutes. But in Luke, you know, there's this shepherd. Has a hundred sheep, loses one, he's got 99. He doesn't just say, well, you know what, i got 99. He goes and looks for the one, and not only does he go look for the one, he goes and when he finds it, he comes back and he tells his story. He throws a party because he wants everyone to know about his lost sheep that was found. He told his story. Woman's got ten coins, loses one, has got nine. Now in this culture, she's still doing pretty she's doing pretty good. But she wants to find that tenth coin. And when she found it, she called all of her neighbors, she called all of her friends, and she told her story. She told about her coin that was lost, was now found. Imagine the story the prodigal son had to tell when he thought, I'm just going to go home and be a slave, and he found out he was accepted as a son. Imagine that story. Imagine the story he could tell about his years of doing Lord knows what. Now his father's love changed his life. What about the older brother? We don't really know what happened to him. His story is really interesting. He could have he either became bitter and and you know and just kind of jumped off the edge, or his father's love changed his story too. And he became happy that his lost brother came home. We don't know that, but we know the Father's love changed at least one of those boys' stories and it could have changed the other. Little boy goes to hear Jesus talk and, uh, and, and his mom packs his lunch for him. You know, it's just no big deal, right? Just taking his lunch. You know, little boys like their lunch, right? I mean, that's, that's what they do. And so he goes and the day drags on and drags on and pretty soon... These disciples, these people who hang out with Jesus start going through the crowds looking for food. And this little boy says, well, I've got a lunch here. And, he's, and so this boy meets Jesus. Not only does he meet Jesus, but Jesus uses his food to feed thousands of people. Imagine the story that little boy had to tell. Of the day Jesus used his lunch to feed thousands of people. Four friends. Four friends have, this, have this, this buddy and he's paralyzed. And they want to get him in front of Jesus. So they go, they take him to where Jesus is. He's in this, he's in this community and, and he shows up and they can't get in the house. They, they, you know, it's too crowded. They can't get in. And, and you know what most people would do? They just say, well, we tried. But they love their friend. And so doing what only dudes would do, they go to someone else's house they tear a hole in someone else's roof. Had to be awesome to be there, wouldn't it? And they drop their friend right in front of Jesus. And when they do, Jesus looks at these four guys and He says their faith has made Him well. Because He didn't do anything. Imagine the story those four guys tell the day Jesus of the day they tore a hole in the roof and dropped their friend to Jesus. I'm sure he'd be like the fish and get the hole would get bigger and bigger, you know, over year, the years. But imagine their story. Imagine the story of this guy whose friends cared about him so much they drug him through town and tore someone else's house up just to make sure he could be healed. That's a story that needs to be told. Guy sitting in the tax collector's booth. Everyone hates him. Everyone, no one wants anything to do with him. Except for Jesus. And Jesus just says, hey, just give up your life and follow me. And He does. Not only does He do that, but Jesus goes and eats dinner with Him. 
hangs out with him. His name was Matthew. And he would eventually give his life for the Lord. Imagine the story of the tax collector of the day Jesus said, you know what? You're with me. Imagine that story to all of his tax collector buddies. Woman was caught in adultery. She's just dead caught in the act. And it's a setup. And I'm sure we'll talk about that somewhere along the way. And she's just, it's, it's over. Everyone knows all about her. Including Jesus. The law says she should be killed. Jesus decided to show mercy and grace. You don't think that changed her life? You think that changed her story? Do you think she had a story to tell to her friends about the day Jesus, instead of condemning her, loved her, forgave her, showed her mercy, and showed her grace? A man possessed by a legion of demons. That's, that's a whole bunch of them. That's thousands, okay? And, and he's a Gentile that. Lives in the cemetery, uncontrollable. People are afraid of him. He encounters Jesus. Jesus just says, all right, Time for y'all to get out of here. Demons leave. Pigs die. Man's healed. And this is where we pick up our story. Because if you want to know what you're supposed to do when Jesus changes your life, this is the answer. And so this guy wants to go with Jesus and hang out with Him. And this is what Jesus says to him over in Mark's Gospel. He says this in Mark 5. Go home to your family Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much and how He has had mercy on you. Go home. Go tell what Lord, the Lord's done for you. So the man left, began to tell the people in the ten towns what Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. You see, he didn't just go home. He told everybody. So what does Jesus want for you if you have a story? Go and tell what the Lord's done for you. Go and tell what the Lord's doing for you. Go and tell what you believe the Lord will do for you. So here's what I'm saying. And here's what I need you to, to hear what I'm saying. If you've ever had a marriage in crisis, if you've ever been on the brink of divorce, but somehow some God put someone on your path and you made it through, you know what you have? You have a story to tell somebody someday who's going to be in your shoes. Some friend of yours, someone's going to be in your, your shoes and they're going to have a marriage on the brink of falling apart and you're going to be able to stand in front of them and tell them how, what the Lord did for you. And you can be for them what someone was for you. See, you have a story if you have breath. If you've ever been in a financial crisis and, and you got through it, you're working through it, whatever the case may be, whatever it looked like, no matter whose fault it was, and you have a friend who's going through that, you have a story to tell. Because God just wants to use your story to change someone else's story. If you survived a tragedy and you made it through, and you stayed faithful to God. You have a story to tell. If you've ever survived a tragedy, and you didn't stay faithful to God, but found your way back to Him, you have a story to tell. If you were lost, but now you're found. If you were dead, but now you're alive. The mandate is really simple. Go and tell the people what the Lord has done for you. Tell your story. You don't have to be a scholar to tell your story. You just have to have life experiences and be a found person. 
and that's it. So imagine the story that we could tell as a church if Matthew 25 became our story. We began four weeks ago in Matthew 25, and we're going to end up here in Matthew 25. And so here's what you need to know. There's this dude, he's a rich, he's a, he's a owner, he's a homeowner, he's a, he's, and he's leaving. And he brings three servants in. He goes one five bags and one three two bags and one one bag, gold, silver, you know, whatever your translation says is fine. But he gave, you know, here's five shares, here's two shares, here's one share. Each was given according to their ability they had. The guy with one was given one for a reason. The guy with two was given two for a reason. The guy with five was given five for a reason. What was really clear is the expectation the servants had, at least two of them, that the master was coming back. And so they went to work. And the guy with five turned his five into ten. The guy with two turned his two into four. The guy with one went and dug a hole because he thought it was his and he treated it like it belonged to him. Because that's what you did when you had a treasure. You put it in the ground and you hoped no one else would mess with it. When the master returned, they gave an accounting of what they'd done. The guy with five said, look, I had five, now I have ten. Guy with two said, look, I had two, I had four. And to both of those guys, the master said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. In other words, they fulfilled the kingdom dream of Matthew 25. Imagine the story they had to tell. It's not I had five and I had ten. It's like I had five and it turned to ten, but man, but the master, he was pleased with me. I had two and I had four, and it's not that I turned it to four. It's that the master said, well done, way to go. Because you'd rather hear well done than wicked and lazy, which is what the third guy heard. Matthew 25 is a picture of what the church is supposed to be. And in numeric fashion, as we said a few weeks ago, if you have 100, you, you turn it to 2. If you have 2, you turn it to 4. 4 to 8, 8 to 7. That's the, that's the principle. It's not about a number. It's about a principle. It's not about how many. It's about a principle. And the principle is really simple. Double what you have, and all I have is me. I can't... I'm not be able to reach 100 people, I can reach one. My job is to reach one. I know I'm your preacher. My job is to reach one. That's my job. Reach one. What's your job? Reach one. And then do it again. Or as my daddy used to say, rinse and repeat. Reach one. You do that. You start over again. And here's a really cool thing. My one became two. Our two became four. My four becomes eight. Eight becomes 16 and so forth and so on and so on as the math goes. It's not about having the biggest, the most. It's not about how many people. It's about a principle of Scripture that we're here to reach people who are going to hell. We're here to reach people who are broken, shattered, drifting through life, who think they have no hope, no chance, no hope, who think that they have crossed the line, they've gone too far, they've done too much, they've said too many things. There is nothing I can do there's no one who will love me because of what I've done. The prodigal son teaches us that is not true. 
There's no such thing as too lost for our Father. If you have breath, you have a story. And if you have a story, it's really, really simple. God wants to use your story to change someone else's story. And God wants to use your story to change someone else's eternity. Everything I am today, I owe to one man. And this is a really difficult story for me to tell, but I'm going to do my best. Oh, it's one man. And it wasn't a relative. His name was Cecil Ross. Cecil Ross was a camp counselor of mine when I was a kid for years and years and years. And uh, he saw something in me years and years ago. And so he would always encourage me and to pursue ministry. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about playing ball. No, 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 no. You need to pursue ministry. And I was, you know, I was even all the way up to high school. I remember the day like it was yesterday, which doesn't say a whole lot for me. Over walking up on two people talking about me over here in the conversation. That was awful. I don't know why he's going to school here. He'll never make it ministry. One was a professor. One was a student. Basically saying I would wash out, that I would give up, that I didn't have what it took for the long haul. And that was tough. But there was just one dude in my life who just kept encouraging me, encouraging me, and encouraging me. Cecil um, was at church in, in, in Atlanta and he left there to go to Zimbabwe for years. He was over there for years and years and years and it changed his life. And Cecil became sick over there and had to come home. And eventually he would pass away. And uh, his wife, his, his wife then was a friend of mine and she worked at the college. And so uh, I would have to call her for things. And every time I would call her about something, she would go, Cecil knows who I'm talking to. So you know, you might as well go sit down somewhere. Because he's going to talk to you before you go. And every time he would talk and he would ask how things were going, he would just say, you know what, I always felt something special in you. And so he would always say that, and he always always pray for me. Two weeks before he died, he prayed for me for 15 minutes on the phone. The day he died was such a horrible day for me that my brother called me to make sure that I was okay. Because he knew how important he was to me. That man changed my life. That man changed my story. God used him to change me, and God used him to change my story. And because he did that, I believe God has used me to change a whole lot of stories. But everything that has happened and will happen all goes back to one man who's in heaven, probably dancing a jig. His name is Cecil Ross. Everything that I do accomplish Every person who, we, I'm, if I get to make a difference in someone's life, my story starts with him. And I'll bet you have someone just like that in your life. But here's the better thing. Why not be that person for somebody? That years down the road, they talk about the day you change their story, you change their eternity, you change their destination, you changed everything for them, and you don't even have to know about it. Because heaven will celebrate it. And that will be enough. If you have a story, God wants you to use your story to change someone's life, 
It changed someone's eternity. And so here's where it starts. We start where we begin. And it's really simple. If you want to change someone's story, it starts one person at a time. One person at a time. And it all starts when you answer this question. Who's your one? Who's your one? And if you're a Christian and you don't have a one, here's a really hard question. Why not? Why not? Father, we are um, all here today because somewhere along the way, all of us who have accepted You, we're here because someone made a difference in our life. We're here because someone invested in us. Someone shared their story. But ultimately, we're all here because of Your story. That You loved the world so much You sent Jesus into it and you, He loved us so much He gave His life for us. That's our story. That's my story. That's our story. Our life changed because, because Jesus gave His for mine. And everything that we do from this point forward and everything we accomplish will be because of Him and not us. Lord, I'm grateful for Cecil. I'm grateful for my friend. But I'm grateful all the things that you've allowed me to do since then, which pale in comparison to the awesome things he did. And all I know is you want us to change someone's life with our story. As a church, but as a family, as individuals. So Lord, I pray that our story will change the lives of this town, of this county, of this region as we pursue your kingdom dream for us. It starts with our one. And that's our prayer, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.